Section seven of Fairy Tales from Gold Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Fairy Tales from Gold Lands by May Wentworth. Crimson Tuft, Part One. In the early days, many strange things happened. It was the mystical age of romance in the gold land, and people seemed to live years in months, or even weeks. Thus a great deal has been forgotten. In the old countries it was not so, and it may be that some are living even now at dear Bingen on the Rhine, who remember tenderly the handsome young couple who left their home to seek the alluring treasures of the gold land in the early days. They were honest peasants in the fatherland, but over the waters had floated the marvellous story how, in the glorious El Dorado, any one might become a lord of the soil or a rich minor prince. This it was that fired the heart of the father, and as the mother looked upon their boy, she was too ready to go out into the great world, though her heart lay fondly to the beloved fatherland. They had little money, but the thrifty good man managed to work for one and another on the passage, till, when he arrived at the young city of tents within the Golden Gate, he had cash enough to make a beginning in life. They were soon domesticated in a little shanty, and in a short time had prepared a fine garden, which became the good man's pride. Every morning Dame Waltenberger went to the market, where she had a stall, and sold fruit and vegetables for gold dust for that was the currency of the country in the early days. Her little son was ten years old, and a real delight to the mother's heart. He was well-formed, with fine features, golden-brown hair, and wonderfully expressive eyes. When he was calm and happy, they were of a soft looming blue, but if excited or angry, they grew dark and fierce, flashing like balls of fire. It pleased him, above all things, to assist the dear mother at the market, and very soon he displayed great taste in the arrangements of the fruits and vegetables. With maternal pride, the mother often told the neighbours it would be impossible to do without Paul, for really he was the greatest help to her. When the flowers were in blossom, the boy always made them into bouquets and garlands, while his pretty ways brought many a purchaser. Sometimes he used to carry home parcels for ladies who had made large purchases, and very often he received presents from them. With the regular customers, the handsome little fellow was a great favourite. One day, as Paul and the mother sat in the stall together, talking of the dear fatherland so far away, they saw a very queer-looking Spanish woman approaching. She seemed bowed down with age and infirmities, and leaned heavily upon her staff as she hobbled along with the greatest difficulty. After the Spanish fashion, her head was covered with a shawl, from which peered her thin, sharp face, quite furrowed with wrinkles. Her bleared eyes were red, and her long, hooked nose nearly met her pointed chin. Altogether, she was very unpleasant in her appearance. All the time she kept her toothless mouth moving as she mumbled indistinctly to herself. She came directly up to Dame Waltenberger's stall, and entering it, 
threw herself down upon the bench exclaiming this is what comes of growing old nothing but weariness care and aching of bones and she began rubbing her knees and muttering to herself little paul stood looking at her his eye dilated with wonder and the compassion of his heart made him blue as the cloudless sky ah exclaimed the old woman looking into his innocent face with a hideous grimace what are you staring at with your great round owl eyes do you think it's a fine thing to be old and lame and poor you will have to come to it ah yes there is a comfort in that old father time will take care of you yes 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 and she shook her long bony fingers and chuckled in such a horrible way that the child retreated behind the mother's chair and hid his face upon her protecting shoulder go quickly boy and bring me some fresh water said the old woman i am very thirsty she added looking at the mother little paul took a glass and ran away to the well and drew a bucket of water so clear and sparkling that it glistened in the sunlight like the dew of the morning as he carried it along he thought how the professor had told him of shining nectar that he be used to bear in the golden cup to jupiter and all the gods of olympus that was in the olden time he said but no nectar could be more beautiful and pure than the water the loving god in heaven gives to us all offering it to the old woman his open rosy face beaming with smiles he said it is nectar fit for the gods and i am your cup-bearer then he bowed so prettily that the mother laughed saying they won't ever see such a child oh you mischief and she shook her fingers in the cunning old way that all mothers do the old woman took the glass but managed to spill half its contents over the child's clean clothes then she chuckled with delight at his discomfiture saying see what it is to be old my little cup-bearer while the mother wiped off the water with her handkerchief the woman began picking over the vegetables and fruit with her thin hooked fingers and smelling every bouquet of flowers till little paul's eyes grew dark and flashed like living flames just see her mother he whispered who will buy them after she has handled everything with her dirty hands and snuffed all the sweetness and beauty out of the flowers with her ugly crooked nose oh you little viper cried the old woman springing forward i'll teach you to mock at old age bell was too quick for her and had it not been for the mother she would have fallen in her eagerness to catch him never mind the child my good woman said dame walsenberger gently we were all children once now how can i serve you to be sure we were all children once ah me oh no i don't mind the child my little cup-bearer and the old woman drew her wizened face into a hundred wrinkles and began selecting a large quantity of fruits vegetables and herbs far more than she could carry is it far you have to go said the mother no no not far replied the woman so the mother called paul to help her he was very reluctant to go but when the mother kissed him and promised to make him a beautiful ball and cover it with red morocco he came forward and took the basket readily and i said the woman will give him a beautiful crimson tuft he will be gay as a lark my little cup-bearer 
this seemed delightful to paul and he followed after the old woman thinking i can play soldier with the crimson tuft and the professor in the next house will hear me and call me charlemagne it will be glorious to be the soldier with the crimson tuft little paul walked on in quite a lordly way with his great martial thoughts echoing in all the chambers of his boyish heart it will be glorious the soldier of the crimson tuft on on they went far out into the sand-hills in an opposite direction from his own home paul's arm began to ache very much carrying the heavy basket but he was feeling so manly that he did not like to complain but at last he became so tired that it was no use he could not bear it any longer and great tears filled his eyes and covered his rosy cheeks all the way the old woman had been muttering to herself in spanish but paul could not understand that i am so tired he said resting the basket upon the ground oh it is not far not far and i will give you the bright crimson tuft think of that replied the old woman so paul took up the basket and again they went on a long long way and turned so many corners he feared he could never find his way back but still the thought of the crimson tuft allured him i must have it he said that would be a real pleasure at last when he was just ready to fall down with fatigue they came to a great iron-barred gate and the old woman rung the bell very loudly in a moment a great rough voice called in spanish as through a trumpet who rings at the gate very soon the gate was opened by a curious-looking dwarf who started and grinned fearfully when he saw paul the child offered him the basket but he only shook his head pointing after the old woman who gave him her staff and walked along with as much ease as little paul himself now the child was really frightened and would have run away but he was already within the gate and with a great clang it closed the dwarf put up the iron bars and replaced the bolts nothing could be more secure for all around rose an immense high fence topped with sharp spikes it was impossible to escape no one could get in or out a long avenue led to a pleasant-looking house built in the spanish fashion it was shaded with beautiful trees that had been brought from the southern country how they waved their long fan-like leaves in the sunshine it was a picture engraven upon the child's mind never to be effaced under the shadow of the trees walked the old woman toward the house and paul followed with the basket trembling like the light leaves of the tamarind just behind him came the dwarf he could hear his heavy tread it is no use no use thought the child but he would gladly have given the tempting crimson tuft the red morocco ball all all his pretty treasures to have been once more by the mother's side selling vegetables in the market they entered a large pleasant drawing-room with doors opening upon the front piazza and upon the veranda of the inner court so that though it was very warm a delicious breeze swept through the room and made it delightfully cool the old woman threw herself upon a couch and pointing to a silver bell told paul to ring it adding my little cup-bearer you must be tired and i will order something to refresh you before you return to your good mother i am not so very tired said paul let me go the mother will need me 
and he looked imploringly into the pitiless face that he was beginning to fear above all things bring the bell boy was the only answer so he rang the bell and the dwarf who had left him on the piazza entered the woman addressed him in spanish which paul did not understand but as he went to and from a large closet and began spreading the table he would turn his curious squinting eyes upon the child with looks of compassion in a short time all was ready and what a delicious lunch it might have been to the child but for the great fear that overshadowed him delicate cakes and confections cold chicken eggs and all kinds of fruits that children are so fond of with many nice-looking things that paul had never seen before there was a great pyramid of ice cream how i should like to eat it with a dear mother thought paul oh that was a delicious lunch to be sure come let us sit down said the old woman i am not hungry answered paul timidly for he longed so greatly to be at home that even these unaccustomed delicacies and the promised crimson tuft were as nothing compared with the sweet comfort at the dear mother's side you silly child you have walked all this distance carrying that great basket and are not hungry well you are thirsty and for your nectar of the gods i will return you the sherbet of an eastern prince the woman filled a glass with a clear rosy liquid that bubbled up and sparkled so temptingly that little paul who was quite overcome with fatigue and thirst grasped it eagerly and did not take the glass from his lips till he had drained it to the bottom then he wished to start for home but he felt so drowsy that he could not move he thought of the mother but felt no emotion and looked at the hideous old woman who was grinning horribly without fear in a few moments he sunk down upon the couch in a heavy sleep the woman stood over him chuckling in great glee i have you now my pretty cupbearer and will make you of great use to me i will teach you a thousand things you would be glad not to know you shall have it crimson tuft ha 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 i will teach you to be impertinent to me my hooked nose to be sure ah i am old old and nothing can make me young and fair if i could only take for myself your young beauty but no one day i must die and that will be the end the woman's face grew convulsed for she was haunted by the grim spectre death as with a dread terror her life had been so filled with darkness that she could not look forward to the calm hereafter all the brightness and beauty of heaven the golden was like the fleeting dreams of childhood that the rolling years bearing her to the portals of dim old age had swept away she had studied magic and tried to find the elixir of life but in vain she had discovered many wonderful things but not the fountain of perpetual youth nor the precious elixir of life for a few moments she stood gazing at the fresh face and rich curls of the child as he lay sleeping in his pure innocence once the word mother passed his rosy lips and the woman waved a perfumed fan over him so even the mother was no longer the companion of his dreamless sleep now it will do to begin said the old woman and she took from a secret drawer in the closet 
several bottles containing liquids, and placed them on a little table. Taking a pair of sharp scissors, she sat down by the child and cut off all his beautiful brown curls, leaving only a little tuft. This she made quite stiff in some way, and coloured it bright red, tying it upon the top of his head, so that it stood up and looked very strangely. "'There is the crimson tuft, my little crab-bearer,' she said, laughing heartily at her wicked work. Then she tinged his eyebrows red, and his skin a dark mahogany colour, until, instead of the beautiful little paw that everyone had loved and admired, he appeared the ugliest little wretch one could well imagine. She took off his neat, plain clothes, dressing him in yellow leather breeches and a fantastic red jacket. Upon his feet she put shoes with long pointed toes that turned up and were tied with red ribbons. When she had finished, she looked at him with great satisfaction. Even the old dame herself would not know her cub now. What an ugly little goat he has become, to be sure. And the old woman, after her usual way, muttered to herself. At last she sat down, and eating and drinking, for by this time she was quite hungry, every few moments she would stop and rub her long bony hands together and laugh as she looked at the transformed child. Paul slept all the afternoon and awoke in the dusky shadow of the twilight, confused and bewildered, to find himself in a strange room with the horrible woman, sitting before a blazing fire, gazing steadily into its fantastic pictures. At first he could not tell where he was, but in a moment he remembered all, and jumped up in the greatest excitement, saying, How could I have slept when the dear mother was expecting me? She will be so anxious. Oh, let me go to her. Please, good lady, let me go. What do you mean? answered the old woman. You have no mother. You are my little servant, Crimson Tuft. I gave you that name, myself, on account of your red hair, which stands up like a crest on the top of your ugly head. Then the child began to cry, saying, My hair is not red, and my name is Paul, and it was my dear mother who sold you vegetables at the market this morning. Let me go home, oh, please let me go home to the dear mother. The child's voice was broken with sobs, but the hard-hearted woman only laughed. Ha ha! It is a curious dream you have had, or are you going crazy? Your hair not red, indeed. Why, look in the glass yourself. She led him to a mirror, and there the unhappy child saw reflected the ugly wretch called Crimson Tuft, but never again the handsome little Paul. The child was more frightened and bewildered than ever. He was sure he had left the mother that morning, in company with this horrible old woman. Everything in the rude little home rose in his mind, yet he could not realize his own identity. Paul surely he could not see in the reflecting mirror, only the ugly little crimson tuft. He raised his hands, and took hold of the stiff shock of red hair that stood upright upon his head. Oh no, it was not Paul's soft silken curls! Yet there was a look about the eyes that reminded him of Paul, but even they were very different. They were the red, swollen, terror-strained eyes of Crimson Tuft. "'Are you satisfied now?' said the old woman. 
it was only a dream a queer dream that you have had crimson tuft and how funny that you should think you were an old vegetable woman's child you my servant who have never been out of this place in your life still the child only cried the more and entreated let me go home to the mother let me go home though he was faint from the effects of the narcotic and from fasting for a long time he refused food and continued to sob begging the old woman to let him go home but she only answered you are dreaming still or crazy then she told him how sometimes people were bewitched and did not know themselves still i am poor let me go at last the woman losing all patience called the dwarf to beat him if he did not stop crying and begin to eat so terror and hunger at last conquered and the little boy choking down his sobs sat upon a stool in silence to eat his supper very desolate and leaden-hearted from that day a new era commenced in the history of the child an era of servitude sorrow and tears that washed away so far into the past the memory of his free and joyous childhood that i began to believe what the woman so often told him that his mind had gone astray that he had been bewitched sometimes he would stand looking long into the great mirror at the stiff red hairs and brown skin of poor crimson tuft thinking what a beautiful myth it was about the happy little paul and the dear mother how it had stolen into his heart like a real life and still the signora as all about the house called her said it was only a bewildering dream into his eyes he would often look saying those are paul's eyes but the red brows give a different expression to their sadness he would add no no they are not paul's eyes always the red hair brown skin and sorrowful heart i must be only poor crimson tuft very often his hungry heart would cry out oh mother mother too often the shrill voice of the old woman would be the discordant answer sending him to some new task as months then years rolled by the child became more accustomed to his sorrowful lot and in many ways it grew pleasanter he learned to talk spanish fluently and became very fond of the queer-looking dwarf who had frightened him so much at first he often talked to him about his mysterious change but of these things the dwarf would never speak so at last crimson tuft ceased to mention them his kind-hearted friend taught him many things in leisure hours to read write and solve difficult problems so that at twelve he was as much advanced in his studies as most boys of his age with the signora he had become quite a favourite although at first for a long time he had only menial service to perform there came a change one day she heard him reading aloud to the dwarf and was so much delighted with his distinct enunciation and fine rendition of what happened to be a favourite author that she called him to her private library and talked a long time in a way she had never before addressed him he is a boy of quick mind thought she and may be more than an ordinary servant to me he is just what i shall need in my troublesome mexican affairs i must train him to his work from that day he used to sit hours in the library reading to her and often she gave him long papers to copy which he was soon able to do to her entire satisfaction 
Very often she would talk to him as though he were a man. In fact, the training he was receiving brought only the man's thoughts. He had left his happy boyhood at the little stall in the marketplace. One day he found an old guitar in the attic of an outhouse, which was filled with broken furniture, and many things disused and forgotten. From that hour he enjoyed a real pleasure. In a short time he picked out the chords and wove them into delicious harmonies, and then there came into his mind a rich old melody of the fatherland. It was like the memory of a happy dream, and the tears filled his eyes. Again he was happy, for everything save the spell of the divine melody was forgotten. Two more years glided by, and the young boy was advancing towards manhood. He was tall and finely developed, and deep within his dreamy eyes slept a wonderful magnetic charm. Still the brown skin and stiff hair remained, and he was only poor ugly crimson tuft. In all his time he had never been outside the massive gate, which was always strongly locked and barred, and though he had often entreated the dwarf, the only reply was a grave shake of the head, and a sad compassionate look from the odd squinting of his companion, and if he persisted the dwarf would go away and leave him alone. End of section 7. Recording by phone.